0: Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com
1: rs10 today. A word of warning. This podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes some strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast covering high profile and under the radar cases from across the country every week. I'm your host, Anna Garcia. Our cases this week, an art teacher at a Christian school is accused of attempting to poison her husband. He says after ingesting multiple bitter tasting drinks and experiencing some really weird symptoms that he kind of got suspicious. So he went out and he bought a hidden camera, set it up in the kitchen. And police say they've seen the video and they say it shows the wife putting something in the man's smoothie. So the question is why? All right. Well, perhaps it could be that online relationship, the secret one with a man. Yep, it always is. But first, this is really incredible. Okay, a therapist, a therapist in Florida who has a practice specializing in anger management apparently lost it on a homeless man. Police say that the therapist killed the man through the man's body in the car. Police say that the murder was actually witnessed by several neighbors, and they believe that the therapist and this man had a long-running dispute. Remember, this is a therapist. Well, he's behind bars now, and he's gonna have plenty of time to work on those self-control issues that he has. We're recording this on Wednesday, January 24th of 2024. Our guest today is Rich McHale, a former detective with the Middle Township Police Department in South Jersey. He's also an author, Um, good friend to the show. Always a pleasure to see you, Rich. How are you?
2: Hello, Anna. How are you?
1: I'm great. I'm in New York at our studios in Hudson Yards. So it's really beautiful. Thank you, Dan, um, for making this happen for us. Dan's in charge of all the studios here. Um, It's a beautiful facility. The lighting is fantastic. And Rich, as I was telling you, my iced coffee was $8. (laughs) $8. Can you believe this? It's craziness here. Enjoy it? it. I well, I have to finish it. I mean, this is the kind of thing that your mother would yell at you about. It's like I paid eight dollars for that. You're going to finish it. <laughs> All right, Rich. Let's get to our top case here. Yeah, let's uh, do the, it. The, this one just drives me nuts because we have a therapist accused of murder here. A man who is described as a as an expert on anger management who lost it, like totally lost it on a homeless man. This is insanity.
2: You know, and uh, um, we uh, worked on a case uh, together, Mark, uh, the one I wrote the book about, Mark Heinball. And uh, we don't have the luxury of knowing what happened and who's involved. So we have to uh, take a step back and look at who was involved and what was going on uh, before the incident occurred. And, uh, and I've acquired a pretty good feel for doing that and, and, and applying that to these cases here. You take a step back and look at this guy had previous assault charges. Um, he knew uh, the victim. This is something that has been building up. And it's, actually, it actually came to a head before this. But this is where he really went well, you know, well over the line, obviously.
1: Yeah. Police would describe it as berserk. And again, you know, I always find it fascinating when we talk about cases where, let's say, someone who's either a doctor or a nurse is accused of harming another individual or an animal, like these are the people you don't expect to be doing this. Like when a police officer is charged with, you know, murdering his wife or her husband, again, it really bothers us because these are the people we turn to who are the experts who are supposed to like hold it together under the worst of situations. So to have a therapist with a specialty in anger management completely lose it like this is what's so disturbing.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, tr- uh, this Travis McBride, 46 years old, and if convicted, I mean, he's potentially uh, runs the risk of the death penalty, but he's at least going to spend the rest of his life in prison. I mean, uh, for what? Uh, you know, it, it, it just doesn't, uh, there isn't a good enough reason to answer that question, to right. take another person's life. And I know you're thrown off by the professional label on this gentleman yeah and uh and and, and it, you know we should uh come to expect that higher level not of perfection but professionalism and in, in his uh personal life as well in his in his public life but clearly there were things going on in between these two long before this incident as well yeah. as some anger management of his own uh in other relationships
1: yeah, he really needed to follow his own advice on this one. So, this is out of DeLand, Florida, and the accused as you said is Travis McBride. The victim here is Clinton Dorsey, who was 51. He was apparently living in the woods nearby where the therapist lived and the uh, police say that the therapist had kind of like a live workspace. He had his practice and lived in the in the same place. So, of course, Travis McBride is innocent until proven guilty, but investigators say that the killing took place outside and was witnessed by several neighbors. Now, what we don't know yet is were there any surveillance cameras that may have picked up any of this? And also, I would think, Rich, that the biggest piece of evidence would be Clinton Dorsey's body inside the car owned by the therapist.
2: Uh, yeah, and, uh, and that people saw this. Um, you know, uh, something I guess you're going to get to in a minute is that uh, this McBride guy, uh, I don't know if he was a dog lover, but he was very close to his dog, and uh, he felt like this guy, Dorsey, may have put some glass in the dog's food. And this, uh, and it had happened before, and this just sent him over the edge. Uh, again, I uh, I've owned a lot of dogs. Uh, they're they're great creatures. As as humans, you know, we have to uh, account for them because they can't talk for themselves. Obviously, so yeah. you got to take care of their physical needs and safety. And uh, sometimes, you know, this this can be taken too far, and this you can't take another person's life in defense of of your dog or another dog.
1: Right. There are other avenues and things that can be done. I agree with you. Um, We, most people who are regulars to the podcast know how much um, I love animals. I'm a foster and volunteer for a purposeful rescue in Los Angeles. And uh, I get very upset and we try and cover crimes against animals on this podcast. So yes, if Travis McBride feared that this man was trying to harm his dog. Absolutely, he would be on alert, and yes, he would be angry and defensive, and I I get all of that. But murder, murder. um, I mean, this is, again, and from a therapist who should be able to take a pause, have a moment. One of the things we always talk about, Rich, is how if it isn't a heat of the moment thing, you have multiple opportunities during a dispute or a situation to stop. To push that self-control button, right? What well, we used to tell our kids, and so he didn't do that.
2: And and this is something that uh, he had run-ins with this guy before. So I think you know that pause button, the opportunity for that to happen, has been has been passed. Oh yeah. And it's a point where he's you know he's had a, what really should have happened is if this were the case, uh, the homeless guy should have been investigated for the cruelty to animals, and if anything. You know, he should be sitting in jail and a therapist go about his professional life. But um, in addition to the dispute between these two and, and the mistreatment of, of the dog uh, by, you know, by the homeless guy, um, the accused had a very violent uh, and aggressive behavior before, probably before the incident and the run in with the homeless guy, uh, which I think is is. Uh, Something that's talked about in the article as well, with a relationship and a domestic uh, abuse charge.
1: Yeah, very serious. So before we get into all the details of the crime, I want to talk about the therapist because you've brought up his past. And I think it's very important to have this context. So Travis had been a therapist for nearly 20 years. In 2009, he began his own practice called Starting Point Mental Health. And again, live workspace combined area. So, according to his practice, his areas of expertise include PTSD, anger management, depression, and bipolar disorder. Of course, I cannot help but wonder what kind of help his patients got. I mean, this is serious. You know, if you're suffering from any one of these things, Rich, oh my gosh, you know. But that, you know, that's another rabbit hole. So, in addition to his work in the mental health field, Travis, was a dog lover, as you said, and he trained German shepherds. So while he may have specialized in this field and helping people with their problems, I don't think he was ever able to help himself. And so according to the Daytona Beach News-Journal, This is not Travis's first brush with the law, as you said, Rich. Uh, The outlet reported that Travis McBride was the focus of several criminal cases, most of which were reduced or dropped. We see that a lot. In 1995 and 1996, uh, according to the news site, Travis was arrested for felony aggravated battery charges. Then, okay, not done here. Then in 2017, Travis was arrested on a charge of domestic battery by strangulation, that is a very physical and violent act. Rich,
2: a, a disregard for another human being. Uh, however, far you take it or don't take it, the attempt, the thought process—that's not—it's not ever accepted for any reason. Uh, it's not even a self-defense move. You know, no. It's—it's an—it's uh, an aggressive assault on another human being.
1: So according to his then-wife, Travis became infuriated, get this, because she allegedly mishandled one of his dogs while placing it outside. See a pattern here? (laughs) Touch my dog. (laughs) Police say I kill you.
2: (laughs) Uh, I don't want to say it, but I was thinking it.
1: Right, right. So um, she says that in retaliation— for what he says she did, he started choking her. Travis denied the allegations, and Mm -hmm. his then-wife decided not to pursue the charges, and so they were dropped. Now, this brings up another case. Law enforcement has evolved over the decades, and one of the things, because this wasn't that long ago, 2017, that we have learned is, when it comes to domestic violence, you can't be dropping these charges like that.
2: There's a lot of, lot of plea bargaining that goes on to move cases through court, um, you know, to get the best deal for the current case and situation that you're in. And sometimes the the true intention or what really should happen in the case is missed uh, for the sake of, of management of time in cases.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very tragic. I, I always worry about that, especially when you have someone who, uh, according to this reporting, had several incidents, not just one, and one that is very violent. This this alleged incident of strangulation. Okay, now let's get to Clinton Dorsey and what's what was going on with the therapist and the man who was living in the woods. Police say that Clinton um, was in the in this residential area, but again, living in the woods. Police claim that Clinton and Travis indeed knew each other. They'd have this ongoing dispute having to do with the dog. The therapist thought that. Clinton was putting glass in a jar, and the the attempt was to harm his dog. Okay, if that's true, that is horrific. I I get that. A
2: very serious charge, yeah.
1: Very serious. I I get that. But here's the thing. It's what you do about it. And once again, he wasn't following, you know, a therapist's advice here. Witnesses told officers that Travis came came out and was like enraged. One witness in particular— This is the night before. The night before she says Travis came to her house very upset about the situation with the broken glass and that Travis declared that he was done with this. This is according to the witness and that um, had a gun and that the neighbor claims that, you know, that he said he was going to kill. He was going to kill Clinton. Now— the thing is, you know how sometimes people say, oh, I'm going to kill him, right? Um, spill, spill something and you just you, – these expressions. However, when you say those words, allegedly holding a gun, and then within a few minutes, the man you said this about is dead, I don't think it's just an expression.
2: No, that's, that, is a, that is something that we say in jest a lot. Uh, But given the past history of this therapist, the actual violent behavior that he exhibited and, uh, you know, strangulation of his wife and then uh, possessing a firearm and making that statement and talking about uh, the homeless person, I mean, one of the biggest issues that we try to address with homeless people are mental health issues. And ironically, it was a mental health professional that that had the problem with him in And, you know, fired up.
1: I mean, this reminds me of King Lear. He was the most blind of them all. You know, It's, 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 it's just amazing. Now, several men said, Rich, that they could see and hear the two men fighting. They were across the road from each other as they were shouting back and forth. And then that's when the gunshots rang out. So this all happened last week on January 18th at 7.06 a.m. is when police responded to the one. Right. It is early. Um, And again, it was multiple calls, multiple calls saying that um, there was not only shots fired, but that a man had been killed and they had seen it and they had details of it. In fact, here's one of the 911 calls. There's
2: been a murder that
1: happened in. Um, We got a couple of eyewitnesses, and I believe the
0: first one right now. He's looking in the road, cleaning up the blood off the ground. He saw him drag the body across the road. He put it in his car and then he left. And then he came back, like not even ten minutes ago, and started scrubbing the road. And now I see him in the yard with a flashlight, looking around.
1: So the caller is describing how Travis is allegedly dragging this body across the road outside for people to see. The 911 caller says that he had left the scene, then came back 30 minutes later, then was scrubbing the blood off of the street, and that was looking for shell casings with a flashlight. That is a very telling series of events about what's going on in real time.
2: I don't even know, given that this guy is a mental health professional, what to think of I'm laughing, but uh, uh, out of disbelief, really, uh, this is criminally insane itself. It's crazy.
1: Yes, he is crazy. This is crazy. This doesn't make any sense. And look, and then where do you put the body? You put the body in your car. It's it's so self-incriminating. And again, innocent until proven guilty, but boy, based on witnesses and the police report, this is not looking very good. You know, police say that they found Clinton's body in the back of Travis's red Nissan Versa. He had been shot multiple times. And the saddest part is that by the time police got to the car, he had passed away and there was no helping him. There was no helping him, no reviving him. You know, this is human life.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I sadly and unfortunately, I wouldn't have expected, Hey, you know, against all odds to take, but I, I wouldn't have expected them to find him alive at that point. And um, you had mentioned earlier about the 9 one call being that uh, first uh, factual point of reference that law enforcement uses to go on on their investigation. And something that I wanted to point back to that you said uh, earlier is, you um, that the neighbor had said that this guy had come to the house the night before. And I'm wondering if that neighbor shouldn't have notified police that. Right, right. He had a gun and said he, he, he said he was gonna kill him. And now,
1: I- Rich, I wanna interrupt you there because police say that the, that neighbor says that the therapist came back to that neighbor and threatened the neighbor. To not call police about what he had said. What do you do with that, especially if you believe you've just witnessed the man kill someone?
2: Like, what do you do? Yeah. Uh, If you believe that someone's going to kill someone, you go to the police and say, Now I am in fear for my life. Right. Right. You become a victim in this case.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like this was a night of terror in this neighborhood and and he. it sounds like he terrorized everyone and frightened them and understandably so if you're firing, you know, you've got someone with a gun. But I agree with you if maybe they had called a little sooner. Don't know that it would have saved Clinton's life, um, but it probably would have been obviously much better. So police say that they found blood and shell casings in the road in the area not far from where the body was discovered in the car. Um, they do believe um, they thought, someone thought that Travis may have tried to get rid of some evidence, like a blood soaked towel and some other things. Uh, they say uh, also, you know, they're, they found some shell casings trying to match it to the gun. Now, police obviously turned immediately to the therapist as suspect number one. He was taken to the police department. He asked for an attorney. And so the conversation stopped there. He did not add anything to the conversation. For those of you who are listening, um, I want to put up his mugshot because what's interesting to me is the expression on his face. Um, his, you know, He's got a little frown going with his eyebrows. And to me, this is I can't wait to hear what you all think. But for those of you who are listening, when I look at his face, it's like got a little attitude and I think of that song in the back of my head. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> he's got he's just got that attitude in the mugshot. Look, I know anyone who's had their mugshot taken, not that I have, but this is usually not your best moment. Not your best moment. But there was just something about his attitude in his eyes that I was like, "Ooh, therapist, man, you need help. You need help. All right. So Travis has made his first court appearance in Volusia County. Uh, That was on January 19th. He has not entered a plea, but the charge is first-degree murder, and he could face the death penalty
2: if convicted.
1: Our next case is out of Jefferson City, Missouri, where a teacher at a Christian school – are you seeing a pattern here? The therapist who's (laughs) supposed to help people can't control his anger, teacher at a Christian school who's supposed to rise above it all. Here she stands accused of poisoning her husband through his smoothies. He became suspicious, so he set up a hidden camera in the kitchen, and police say the video – allegedly caught her in the act. The accused here is Sarah Scheffer, who's 37 years old, and she has been charged with attempted murder after her husband got the goods on her. I mean, I don't know, Rich. We've covered several cases on this podcast. Over the last two years, I almost feel like these poisoning cases are on the rise. I don't have any statistics to back that up other than I feel like we've covered a bunch of them on the podcast.
2: Anna, I just I'm just dumbfounded by these people. And like the last case, do they think they're going to get away with it? Like yes. file for divorce, uh, you know, killing somebody. And, and the the thought process that this, you know, person had to, you know, take out her husband, attempt to take out her husband. You know, where do you how, how did your mind get there? I, I don't you know, I've had disputes and I've not liked people, but I've never thought about poisoning their drink to take them out. I, uh, and then what do you do? Like,
1: what do you do if, God forbid, the husband does die of poisoning and then, you know. The investigation reveals that he's been filled with all this poison. I I just – I agree with you. That is why I'm always fascinated by crimes because I always say it's really about people's behaviors and how they choose to problem-solve in their lives. Murder is not a problem-solving tool. I say it all the time (laughs) because, like you (laughs) said, you don't want to be with your husband. Okay, fine, lady. Get a divorce, move on with your life. But why try to take someone else's life? I do not understand. Look, divorce is horrible. It's painful. We all get it. But how is this the solution to your problem?
2: Yeah, and and even before divorce, I mean, uh, you know, get into counseling with your spouse and try and work out whatever the issue is between the two of you. Rich, I'm I,
1: curious about something, you know, because you were a cop for a long time, and you see everything, right? How many times did you end up in a situation where literally what you're trying to do is solve a dispute between two people and you're playing therapist
2: yeah, a lot a lot, a lot uh, and and they're so angry that they're not seeing the forest through the trees as what I said yeah, Sa I should say
1: so Sarah. <laughs> allegedly succeeded in poisoning her husband several times because he says he can remember feeling sick and, and confused. Now, the only way to be sure about what was going on, again, was to set up this hidden camera. And, and this hidden camera video is absolutely pertinent, pertinent to the case against her in this investigation. Also, a smoothie that was confiscated from the refrigerator, which the police sent out for testing. So we don't have the results on that yet. But So those are the two main pieces of evidence. Sarah worked part-time as an art teacher at the Calvary Lutheran High School since 2021 until her arrest. And then it's like, no, you cannot be around the children. Then in 2022, Sarah was named... The executive director of Capital Arts, a community nonprofit whose mission was to encourage, promote, and support arts in Jefferson City. Okay. This is a woman who was an accomplished artist in her community, 20 years experience. She was featured in numerous exhibits, not just there but nationwide. Um, She was also called on to commission works of art. So here you have an artist and a woman who teaches art to inspire others. That's one side of her life. And then the hidden part of her life, according to police, she's, she's poisoning her husband's smoothies to get rid of
2: them. You know, uh, you asked me about my experience uh, with resolving disputes and the professional moniker that people wear is like they take that cap off in their human side and their emotions uh, and, and all that they think about and act on, forgetting all that it took to accomplish that professional cap, or maybe not professional, but accomplished educationally uh, in the community. You know, they, they take that gal, cap off and put it aside, all the responsibilities that go with it, and you know, act on their emotions. And, you know, it's, it's the only way to explain how people uh, take or consider taking another person's life, knowing they're going to risk all, all these things that they've accomplished in their, in their lives.
1: And if she indeed did this, here's the thing. She had multiple times to stop so many opportunities to say what am i thinking what am i doing this is ridiculous right eight, t- eight times
2: eight times the article said
1: eight she- times according to the husband eight times that he can remember very distinctly feeling ill now part of this is the question okay <laughs> why why so, police say that she was involved with this online virtual affair with a man in Pakistan. Of course, I would ask the question, is it even, does this man even exist? Like, really? They said her search history was she was looking into flights, she was going to leave and, and start a life in Pakistan with this new love of her life, if the man even exists. Even if he exists now, no one has said the police have not said anything because we've covered other cases like this where, um, you know, sometimes scammers pose as someone. We had a case last week on the podcast where there was a scammer that was trying to get money from a woman posing as an actor and she fell for it. She gave him money and then he said, I want to be with you. Get rid of your husband and then she's been charged with trying to poison him. That's why I'm saying it's like every week. What is going on here? What is going on here? Okay, so let's get back to the details of this case because I find this fascinating. So the husband told police, again, he'd been feeling sick for almost six weeks prior to Sarah's arrest. He said he suffered from extreme fatigue, confusion, blurred vision, severe cotton mouth, nausea after eating food or drinking smoothies made by his wife. According to the husband... Um, He does believe that she tried to poison him eight times. That's a lot of times. That is a lot of times. Also, thank goodness she failed if she did do this. Thank goodness she failed. New Year's Eve, right? Happy New Year to you, my love. (laughs) On December 31st, he says he drank this bitter-tasting smoothie that was prepared by his wife. The next day, she made him another one. And he's like, all right, that's it. Sarah, what's going on? He tells police he confronted her. You know, like, what are you doing? Why does this taste so bitter? Now, this is what he told police. He says, Sarah, Sarah told her husband, it's bitter because I urinated in it. Really? Now, it's possible she may have. If Sarah really did pee in a smoothie— oh she is mad at this man
2: uh you know just that alone there'd have to be a serious conversation between myself and my spouse if you're peeing in my smoothie right uh uh, what that you know that's total disregard for a human being in itself i i I don't it's it's just uh, completely disrespectful i don't know how to put it any other way and i don't know the time frame from when she said that to they continue the conversation? I don't know if it was all part of the conversation. Well,
1: I think the way the police have described it through the affidavit is that, so this happens on New Year's Eve, and that then she says, no, I, I really, I didn't. I didn't pee in your smoothie, but I did put um, some industrial adhesive into your drink. First of all, who has <laughs> industrial adhesive in their garage to put into a smoothie, like, this woman's not making sense. And so the husband, give him a lot of credit here, is like, mm. So New Year's resolution, day one, January one, he goes out and he buys a hidden camera and puts it in the kitchen. That's what he does. And That's you know, those
2: eight, those eight times, previous eight times, eight by his account, are he said, she said, because there's no proof of it.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: he's smart enough to get the evidence for the police absolutely
1: yep absolutely so now let's move along it's about 16 days later january 16th of this year just before 7 a.m the husband says he found a green bowl containing what appeared to be some type of root in his wife's workspace perhaps it was right next to the adhesive upon further inspection he said the bag was labeled lily of the valley, and next to this was next to this mysterious root in the bowl. And the husband took pictures of it, which he sent to police. Now, lily of the valley, a beautiful, beautiful plant that is used to make uh, fragrances. The little bell-shaped flowers. For those of you who are like, wait a minute, which one is that? Okay, gorgeous. But this plant is deadly, especially the roots. It has thirty-eight cardiac glycosides. And what they do is they slow down your heart rate and it makes your heart rate and heart beating irregularly. All of the plant is poisonous if consumed by animals or people. However, the root is the most poisonous part of the plant. Now, there are some, you know, who believe that the This plant may have some medicinal purposes, and I'm wondering if that's going to be part of her defense. She's going to be like, no, 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 no. I wasn't trying to kill him. I was trying to help him. But there is truly no scientific evidence of that. We're just putting it out there in case that ends up being part of the defense. So let's get back to this. So he discovers this lily of the valley, and I'm sure he Googled it right away, and he's like, oh, boy, right? This, this this is the stuff that's making me sick. 7.45 a.m., January 16th. According to the police who saw the video, it captures Sarah allegedly putting this poisonous compound into a smoothie. And then she makes the smoothie and then she puts it in a yellow tumbler and puts the tumbler in the refrigerator for her husband. And that is when the husband calls the police and says, you better hurry up. Police arrive. They grab the tumbler. They've sent that in for processing to see if indeed it contains anything. Because, Rich, let me ask you this. If, If that smoothie does not have any poison in it, any lily of the valley, and the video shows that she's putting something into the drink, but the drink, and we don't know yet, doesn't have anything, How does that affect this case?
2: Well, when you ask me that question, it's a jury of her peers that's going to judge the details of this case. The first thing I'll say is she admitted to having uh, construction adhesive as if she were going to poison them with that, which was she just made it up because she didn't want them to find the lily of the valley, valley root. I'm not really sure why she even blurted out Construction adhesive, but you know, as a juror, I'm sitting there, and she's has the, you know, says it's construct uh, construction adhesive. It's not. It's actually this poisonous plant. Um, And if it's in the refrigerator, does it get diluted over time? Is testing accurate for determining if this plant is actually mixed as part of the chemical compounds of that? Uh, As as a juror, that's what I'm I'm considering. What was this woman's intent? And it looks but Rich, to me.
1: If if it, you know, again, I believe that mm-hmm. the most important piece of evidence is, but are two things what's in the Tumblr and the video, the surveillance video. And my question to you is if it doesn't have poison in it, which we have no idea. I mean, doesn't that make this a much tougher case because it may show her putting something in the smoothie, but then she can say, well, yeah, I was putting the root of da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, to help him feel better.
2: Yeah. And and that's like saying we don't have DNA evidence to prove, you know, a killer uh, was at the scene of the crime. However, what law enforcement is going to do if they haven't already is uh, search her computer to look for searches. Things that show that she's researching how to kill her husband and what's i think so
1: what's so interesting you know, to why? me rich um what's so interesting to me rich is that you know the police when they arrive they grab the tumbler they look at the video and then they question sarah the police say that sarah and and i realize this is you know contradictory to what i was just asking before what if it doesn't um, have anything in it what's in in the smoothie she allegedly admitted that she put Lily of the Valley Root in the tumbler. said this to police, and police claim that she admitted that she knew and understood that Lily of the Valley is toxic, and police say she understood that her actions were illegal and harmful and could have killed her husband. Now... If she indeed did say this, of course, I'm hoping that the body cam video, that this was all captured, because was this admissible? Was it not? You know, I'm always thinking how things are going to flip in a courtroom, how things are going to change. But that's pretty stunning if she indeed did tell officers, yeah, did it.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm thinking in the mind of a defense attorney, and when when we're talking about this case, The first question I'm going to have is, how do you know that that tumbler was for my husband? Uh, It was a drink I made for myself or whatever excuse they come up with. The other piece of this is going to show the connection to the male friend in Pakistan. that's, That's where you have to put the whole picture together as a prosecutor. But law enforcement has to do the homework and get all the research and show the Internet um, discussions going on between this guy in Pakistan and uh, and her, as well as her Google searches for ways to kill her husband and uh, looking for Lily of the Valley, you know, searches on the internet.
1: So initially Sarah was charged with first degree domestic assault, but then those charges were upgraded and the police have charged her with first degree attempted murder and armed criminal action. She's currently being held at the Cole County Jail on a no-bond warrant. And the reason she's being denied bail is because authorities believe that she's a flight risk because she had been looking into flights to go to Pakistan to be with her lover. And so they think the first chance that Sarah gets, she's going to bolt over there. So that's why she's being held. So on January 19th, Sarah appeared for a virtual arraignment. She pleaded not guilty to the charges. She is currently set to appear in court again January 26 for a bond review uh, trying to get out. Sarah's father told NBC she's a decent person. This is out of the blue. It does not match the daughter that he knows and he doesn't believe that she could have done something like this. I think there are a lot of people who are like, Sarah allegedly did what? It is time for our comments section. These are the crime cases you all are talking about on social media, and here's our producer Will Updike. Hello, Will. Hey, Hello. Anna.
0: Hey, how's it going, Rich? It's going good. Going good. Good to see you in the studio, Anna.
1: Very exciting. Very nice. You Your know, they lighting have is wonderful. Fabulous lighting. Thank you, Dan. Again, it's a beautiful studio. You know, they have really good snacks here. Free snacks. <laughs> oh. Free snacks. Wow. I should have never bought. This $8 iced coffee, I could have had free coffee and all the little Ritz crackers I wanted. That's how they roll here. Warner Brothers Discovery. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm.
0: They're treating you right. I'm glad to hear it. Um, This week, we have an interesting case. This one I'm calling a quencher misadventure. This case comes out of Rockland, California, where a 23-year-old woman has been arrested after allegedly stealing over 60 Stanley Cups worth a reported $2,500. What is it um, with
1: these Stanley cups? I don't understand this.
0: Yeah, if you're somehow out of the loop, the um, Stanley Quencher tumbler is like the it accessory, I guess. Right now, it's uh, it's very popular. I mean, who knows? We might already be on the tail end of this fad by the time you're listening to this. But they are um, they're they're very very popular. Uh, Um, So this story kind of came together when officers were called to a retail location after the suspect here allegedly filled a shopping cart with the popular stainless steel beverage vessels. When employees asked her to pay, she refused, allegedly. And she allegedly left the store and began stuffing her car with the merchandise. Police actually shared a picture of this, which I'm going to show now. Um, The the mugs here, they completely fill up the trunk. And there's so many or it's just because the, the cups are so big, the overflow had to be in the passenger seat. That's one of the things about these mugs, I guess, to me, is they seem awfully cumbersome. They're, they're pretty large. I
1: think. So big. Where are you going to put this They're pretty large thing?
0: cups, especially like just for water. Um, but you know what? If if that's your thing, go for it. Go for it. Just not this way. Um, the suspect here kind of thought they had gotten away. They were driving away. Officers spot the vehicle. They perform a routine traffic stop. And then, you know, I, uh, obviously this is just, you know, no one is convicted here, but I think it was pretty obvious something was going on in the car. As I said, there's a large kind of mound of Stanley Cups going on here. So, as I said, police uncovered a total of 65 Stanley Cups, which I just I have to emphasize is worth a reported twenty five hundred dollars. So that's crazy. So just under 40 bucks a cup there, if you're doing if you're doing the math at home, um, the suspect was. Detained. Hey, wait a minute. You know, I yeah. have a question here.
1: Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I can't even go into a CVS and and buy soap. Without having to ring the button to have someone to take it out from under lock and key. Do you know what I mean? Anything I need to buy, I can't buy anything. So you're telling me these valuable cups were not under lock and key, right? I mean, I can't get soap. I can't get detergent. But this woman can grab 65 of these things? i mean i, guess I had not to like vent I, I had to vent yeah
0: i mean i think these retail locations i i don't i don't know what their security setup is i know most of these places have like a don't apprehend thing so um yeah i i, I don't know why it's not why it's not under lock and key but i think you got to be able to look at the merchandise at the same time you know if you're, and if i agree you're spending, with you if you're spending 50 bucks on a cup i think you got to be able to pick <laughs> it up take a little look see how it feels in the hand um, ring the I bell
1: open it yes.
0: Yes. Um, okay. But anyways, our suspect here, they were detained. They've been charged with grand theft. And as a side note here. This is not the first Stanley-related crime. As the viral mugs have mounted in popularity, there have been public trampolines after the release of a Galentine's Day tumble oh, mug at I Target. Oh, I saw
1: that on Instagram. Yes, very. Yep. Target. Oh, my God. Yep. Yes, there was a run on that. And if
0: you're if you're. Like So this might go into a little bit of motive here. If you're if you're unaware, there is a rabid resale market for these mugs, um, notably another line of mugs that was released at Target, but specific to Starbucks locations within Targets. Um, it was an exclusive mug retailed for forty nine ninety five. It's starting bidding wars online with some of the opening bids being two hundred dollars for a cup um so police have, have, have talked about the tr- uh, the trend they they had a great quote on this one they said while stanley quenches were all the rage we strongly advise against turning to crime to fulfill your hydration habits couldn't agree more i'm all yes. about keeping hydrated it's yes. you know it's it's, it's a major <laughs> tenant of life but um yeah just you know a water bottle can do you just fine
2: anna can i chime in here oh please absolutely do. uh listen when you first said well about the stanley cups I, I was thinking years ago, you, you heard about this bizarre behavior once in a while. And I'm talking about the 80s when I started law enforcement. But now it seems like it's almost a regular occurrence where people are doing bizarre things like taking large volumes of, of, of an item, and, you know, the retail theft thing. And it made me think um, I'm going to knock on the Internet again. How many crimes are being committed as a result of the Internet? And, you know, whether it's a TikTok challenge or uh, killing your husband to go see your uh, lover in Pakistan, I'd be interested to know if somebody would would look into a study of crimes that are being committed as a result of the use of the Internet, whether it's information gained or, you know, uh, learning uh, techniques or the value of things uh, that you can steal here that they're doing, you know, on the other side of the country.
0: Yeah. Well, something like this, I mean – you know, if there wasn't this resale market online, would it really even be worth your trouble to try to steal a bunch of mugs? Because, you know, I think in a normal circumstance, you're obviously getting way less than what the retail value is worth. But I think if you could take it to an online marketplace, uh, maybe it's a little bit more. We had one comment about that. Um, as I said, th- it, these mugs, these 65 mugs were worth a report $2,500. But Chrissy M wants to know, but what's the Facebook marketplace value? So Ooh, yeah, could be worth maybe even more there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Could be Mm -hmm. could be something else. Uh, Carly said there's more to life than Stanley Cups, which. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. For the beverage cups. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Kelly A said the bigger crime here is against Stanley. Sixty five cups are worth twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah, I was I was surprised, too. It's it's a lot. So where are these cups? Um,
1: Are the police holding on to the cups? I think. Or were they
0: returned? Rich, do they have to keep that as evidence, or can they turn the that cups? back over to the until store? the case is
2: disposed of? Yes, all the gotcha. cups, and, ah. and, and all the appeals are exhausted. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh wow! Okay, so this this store in Rockland they, they might be taking a bath on this. By the time yeah. they get these back, people might not even want don't these want the, the mugs. Turver. They're yeah. like they're
1: too big. I can't work with this.
2: Yeah, I imagine insurance is going to reimburse them, and it's they're going to be the police are going to be sitting there with Stanley cups years late years late years, years from now. Mm-hmm. Nobody that
0: nobody. Yeah, maybe that'll be um, everyone's Christmas gift some year, or something <laughs> down the road. Uh, Pat took this a different direction. They said the only cup, I, the only Stanley Cup I care about is the NHL trophy. Which mm-hmm. yeah, true, yeah, of course, of course, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, Jesse L, we got to finish this one with a pun. They said she must have been thirsty to get on True Crime Daily, the podcast. Which, hey, uh, mm-hmm. if you want to get on the show, you don't, you don't, nice. have, to, you don't nice. have to commit a crime. You don't <laughs> no. have to commit a crime. No, it's best um, not to. Yeah. Yeah. It's best not to. That's not the best way to be featured on this show. Um, the best way to be featured on the show is actually just leave a comment over on our YouTube community page. Um, and yeah, we put, po- we post these every week and you can get a chance to have your comment featured on the show. You can also reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, all the usual suspects, but that's going to do it for me for this oh, don't week. Don't go
1: yet. Will. oh, I have okay. so much to tell you. I have all so right, much to discuss. Go. First of all, You know, I'm here in New York doing the Mm -hmm. podcast and been promoting the podcast. I went to visit our friends at Odyssey yesterday. Ooh. At HQ. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And they are wonderful. They support our podcast. They had a banner. I want you to put up a photo, you know, about podcasters, and ours was in the middle of some great podcasts. So, we're just so grateful to Odyssey and to all of you for supporting us. I can't believe this is like year four. Year four, we've been doing this podcast.
2: You have a tremendous, tremendous show, Anna, and your staff are excellent and very professional in in my dealing with them and the product that they put out for you. Everyone's great.
1: So it's been wonderful to be. And I met I met our fans. I met our fans yesterday. I did a spot at uh, Fox 5 in the morning. I I went on their um, Good Day New York show with Rosanna Scotto and Kurt Menefee, NFL sportscaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah? yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, big shots. So it was great to see everyone. And then when I came outside. <laughs> We had some of the crime family, our fans, as you know, I call everyone the crime family, everyone a part of this podcast. So it was very nice to meet people. It's been super, super cool. And then just one more tiny bit of news. Uh, Some of you may have heard, but uh, this wonderful company that we work for that provides us with nice snacks (laughs) at Warner Brothers Discovery is going to launch a new TV crime show in the fall. So we're very excited about that news. It was just released this week. More to come on the details. Um, So we're all very excited about that. Very excited. Yeah. All right. That's it, Will. I just wanted to share those fun moments. All righty. Love it. Thank you so much. I will see you all next week. Rich, it's always a pleasure. I love your no-nonsense approach to life. (laughs) Um, I know you have a book out, and you're still working the case of 11-year-old Mark Heimbaugh. Not solved yet, Rich. Not solved. Not yet.
2: Um, the latest news with that is uh, they started using artificial intelligence uh, with the investigation. And that's something that they had to feed all of the uh, copies of the reports into uh, the program. And then you can uh, intelligently search them, I guess, if you will, and uh, provide answers quicker than you would be able to do a hand search uh, if 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 you could ever do one at all. Um, so hopefully they can use AI to manipulate the case and, and come up with some information. We have received tips. Um, we uh, Your podcast, which was two years ago, um, we did the uh, People Magazine Investigates, so was a one hour documentary, and we've gotten calls from that. Um, also, I wanted to mention, Anna, in March, I'm going to be starting a through hike from uh, Georgia to Maine on the Appalachian Trail, and I'll be doing it in honor of Mark Heimball. And I will be talking about him. Uh, I won't. It won't be a, a daily or, or probably a weekly vlog, but I will post on my uh, uh, YouTube channel once that's up and running, starting in March, uh, talking about the case and and what it means to me to be uh, carrying that cross, if you will, uh, for Mark, in hopes of uh, getting to Mount Katahdin in Maine, 2,200 miles, and um, coming to some kind of resolution uh, for Mark's sake.
1: Wow. Wow. So you're going to walk that whole way? How long is that going to take you?
2: It's going to take me, uh, depending on my pace, uh, five to six months, uh, if I can, you know, that's 160 180 days if i can do it quicker i certainly will try to pick up the pace (laughs) i don't want to be out there any longer than i I have to uh it's a little misconception i'm not going to be in hiking boots and a pickaxe climbing mountains it's more of a trail you wear trail runners or like running sneakers sneakers only a little more reinforced and trekking poles and you you know, uh, 10, 15 miles a day, and uh, they call it the Green Tunnel because you're pretty much walking through the woods, and you do you do uh, climb up uh, grades, you know, of the mountains, and uh, it's an up and up and down process.
1: Are you going to do this uh, alone? Are you going to
2: be alone? I'm going alone, but uh, you hike with people that are hiking at your pace. So, three to four thousand people a year attempt this through hike that's northbound some do it southbound from maine to georgia but uh people that are be that will be walking at my pace over time uh hundreds of miles you become a family they call it tramley your trail family and um some some people you know early on or midway through the hike make it all the way the rest of the way to maine and it's a very emotional experience um this is just something that I, I've carried with me since I retire from the police department and it, it represents Mark's case. It's been arduous, uh, we but we continue to push. And I believe, there. I know there's an answer for Mark, um, whether he's alive with us today or, or not. Uh, we need to find answers for him, for his family, bring closures. I don't have to tell you this personally because you have worn this cross yourself. Since November of 1991, you were in Maureen's Heimbold's living room the the day that he disappeared. And uh, it's, you know, it's very emotional for all of us. And this is, I can't investigate the case. I can't go out and knock on doors and interview people. So this is kind of like uh, continuing awareness for Mark, something that I can do physically and uh, hope that somebody that sees the, um, you know, the attention uh, for Mark or, and the hike uh, decides to come forward and say something.
1: Wow. We wish you so much luck with this and safety. And there is your book, Where is yes. Mark?
2: You can get available on, on Amazon. Amazon, Where is Mark? We have a Facebook page, Where is Mark, as well. And um, yeah, that's in March, I'll have the, uh, it's uh, Rich Hikes for Mark. Uh, that'll be my YouTube channel. And I'll be uh, periodically posting videos on on the progress of my hike and things about Mark's life and the investigation.
1: When you finally get to a lodge or an inn that has some good Wi-Fi, join us on the podcast and tell us where you are. You and Or you could just, like, pop in every once in a while. You don't have to, like, I, I would, do a whole podcast. To, you could just pop in. I would in. love to
2: do that. By I you've got something coming, I'll uh, get, make sure I'm in a Wi-Fi town and uh, give, you, give you a progress update.
1: We would love that, and best of luck to you. Rich, where can people follow you, uh, your website again?
2: Um, the book is Amazon.com, Where's Mark? Uh, Facebook page is Where's Mark? And uh, we have a website, Where's Where'sMark.com. Um, but while I'm on trail, that's why I direct people to Amazon. They get the book directly from there and uh, and then the Facebook page.
1: Yeah. All right. Always a pleasure, Rich. Always good to see you. You can find me on all social media at Anna G News, Anna with one N. You can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All our episodes are available. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also receive our newsletter at truecrimedaily.com. So until next week, I'm your host, Anna Garcia. This is True Crime Daily, the podcast. And as we always say, don't do crime.